Hey everyone, this is Marcia O'Connor, CEO and founder of the O'Connor Group. We are here about top three. Top three is you know entrepreneurs share their secrets and their mistakes. And I think a lot of times there is a falsehood about entrepreneurship that it's easy and it's so much fun. It is fun, but I don't think it's easy. And you're going to hear experiences from a variety of individuals who either are just starting out in their careers or have been doing it for several years or have a solo entrepreneurship or have partners and have a big team. And I think you need to hear all those experiences to help you become a better entrepreneur as well. So sit back, enjoy, be careful if you're driving right now, and welcome to Top 3. Hello, how are you, Amanda? I am good. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God, I can't believe we are doing this. Uh, we are going to be showing faces and our voices and all too, and I'm so thr- thrilled to have you here. So Amanda Jefferson, welcome to Top 3. Hello. Where entrepreneurs are sharing their secrets and their mistakes today. No mistakes. It's all been completely smooth sailing. <laughs> you might want to have a cup of coffee, honey. So I'm just letting you know that right now. Um, so, you know, you have Indigo Organizing, mm-hmm. and I found that fascinating, and I was doing some research on you, and, you know, um, I want to hear, like, why you started. Obviously, I think a lot of us can totally relate to having a 20-year career working that rigmarole every day, and um, I always call them, like, the, I call them uh, wage slaves, and because you get to the point where you're just like a robot, you know? Yeah. And then you just get really burnt out and say, this is it, I'm doing this, and Let's, let's go back to then and, you know, what were you thinking? What was going on at that time? And then why did you decide to, you know, start your own company? Yeah. So you nailed it um, with the word burnout. That's exactly where I got. So this was about, when was this? About 2015, 2016. I was the head of a nonprofit. I was the executive director of a beautiful nonprofit that I still love. Um, called Summer Search. It's a national organization that works with um, youth to help them, you know, see a beautiful future. And I was the head of our Philadelphia office, and I loved it. It was awesome work, and it was also very stressful. I had a big fundraising goal, and fundraising is difficult in a city like Philadelphia. I had a long commute. I was like racing to the train every single day, hour there, hour back. I had a little one at home and I was just totally burnt out. So I started sort of a secret mission thinking about what I might like to do next. And for some reason, I was always fascinated by this idea of professional organization. Like this is a career. People do this. Who, who would have thought, right? There's actually a national association of productivity or organizing professionals that has like 5,000 members. Wow. That's a mouthful right there. Right. <laughs> I know. Um, so I started doing a secret mission to see like, is this something I could do? I hired a business coach, um, and then at that time, um, Marie Kondo was really big, Mm -hmm. and my business coach was so funny. He was like, I think you need to go to Japan and train under her, and I was like, she doesn't even speak English. You know, she's not training anybody. How am I going to do this? And lo and behold, one day, we were in his office, and I got an email saying, first ever opportunity to get trained under Marie Kondo to be a certified KonMari consultant. And he's like, get out your business credit card, enter the numbers, click submit, you're going. You know, like, I don't know, seems like a crazy idea. But I went and I was still sort of undercover at work. I was still working full time, but I just kind of put the business plan together and took a look at the numbers. And I was like, I think I can do this. 
So I gave six months notice, um, which looking back was way too long, I think. <laughs> that is, I can tell you right now, that's way too long. Way yes. too long to be a lame duck. Yeah. Well, um, how long were you there? I was there for six years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You were being the good person and yeah, trying to be thoughtful and correct. trying to get him in a good move. And after, unfortunately, when you do, I can tell you right now, and people who out there who were thinking about um, giving notice, um, yes. still two weeks is still, you know, the, the way to do it. And people are trying to be nice before it. I know. You're done after know. one. So there so. we go. Mistake number one. Mm -hmm. See, I said there were no mistakes. That's yeah. mistake number one okay. of, 600, of 695. So, um... Yeah, I gave notice and just started working on building the business kind of on the side. And, you know, when I shared with my board members and everybody what I was doing, they kind of thought I was crazy. Yeah. They, but I think when people think you're crazy, it usually means you're onto something. Absolutely. <laughs> totally agree with that. So, yeah. So then I just went out on my own and it was very scary. I remember the first day that I didn't have to work. It almost felt like corporate detox, mm -hmm. you know, yep. after 20 years. I didn't know what to do with myself. I sat down and I said, maybe I'll read a chapter of a book. And I read the entire book that day because I was like, <laughs> I don't know what else to do. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. And you sit back, you're so used to checking emails yeah. and phone calls. And then next thing you know, like, okay, got an email today. There's a sale at Kohl's. And, um, you know, <laughs> and you're like, is Maybe I'll go to Coles. Lake okay, and yeah. um, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something snaps and says, I got this. What was that? You know, I mean, I think luckily before, because I was sort of growing it while I was still working, I had a launch party and I designed the logo and I've came up with the business and I, because with the KonMari consultation to get certified, you have to do practice sessions with clients. And I think that's where it really clicked is like people really need this. People are just as overwhelmed and burned out as I was and, you know, was at that time. And just really feeling like this is so needed, you know. So I think that was what really clicked for me that, you know, my business would have been in bad shape if all of a sudden everybody in the world stopped feeling cluttered, de you know, cluttered and disorganized. And but, you know, every, so I just felt like a need. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. And here you are. And, and you have your own business. So tell me more about the business right now. And tell me about your, little about your clients. And is there a trend with your clients that you typically find? Walk me through that. Yes. So my business is working one-on-one -on -one with um, mostly women, but I work with a lot of men and a lot of couples too. And um, it's evolved, but it started out being mostly just going into people's homes one-on-one, -on -one, usually for about four or five hours at a time, mm -hmm. and just helping them simplify, declutter, and organize. Because people are just so overwhelmed. They just don't know where to start. I feel like Back in the 80s when things started getting cheaper and then with Amazon, things just started getting easier and we just started buying and buying and buying and acquiring and then pe people just kind of got really overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that they had. Not just physical clutter, but just stuff on their plates, things that they're doing. So um, I love that. And I think for people, what they really need is just the accountability of like, I sh I'm showing, like nobody feels like decluttering, but I show up and I'm there mm -hmm. and they've paid me and they have to do it. And we, I make it fun and light and interesting. And it's interesting too, because I'm sort of like an uncertified therapist. Um, people are trusting me and we're going through all the layers of their life and 
divorce and loss and kids and career and body image and all kinds of stuff. And so that's that's really hard to do on your own. So I kind of come in and, and help them through that process. And then as I was doing a lot of that one-on-one work, I was learning a lot about how to help people simplify and declutter and organize and how to say no. So I transitioned to doing other things, more speaking, more teaching. So, um, you know, I have an online course called Organized Every Day. So I walk people through, it's called, has four modules, home, habits, focus, and flow. So it's not just about the stuff in your home, it's about how to have routines, how to focus, how to get your things done. And the flow is really all about really what Marie Kondo's whole vision was in the first place, which is joy. Like, what's the point of all of this? Why are we doing all of this? It's because we're trying to find our joy and to follow our joy. Um, and I also have a podcast now. Yay. So, yes, our first two episodes were recorded right here in this room. So my friend Brooke Forey and I have a podcast podcast called Good Enoughish, where we just talk about everything, everything mm. from laundry to face creams to pool bags to whatever. Love it. That's and okay. I love having those conversations and hearing what to do and the tips and the tricks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting to see kind of how it's evolved. And I do, I have a keynote um, talk now where I talk about quitting the shoulds, where I just share a lot of my own experiences of kind of bucking the rules. You know, even when I left that big corporate career, I was supposed to keep going. I was supposed to keep going on the six figures and top 40 under 40. And, and I didn't want to. And so I didn't. And so I think just talking about sort of bucking the rules and quitting the shoulds and being more courageous on paving your own path. It's interesting. So I wanted to go back into regards to like that homeless being therapist. Yeah. And, you know, when you have to be obviously an organized professional, you are probably very neat and you're very, you know, how you think, how you process things and all too. And let's go back as as a child. Were you always like that? So Brooke and I talked about that on a recent podcast episode. My parents used to joke because I wasn't neat. And I would even say, like, I was overcome. <laughs> like, they would be like, why is your room so messy? I just get overcome. Mm-hmm. I don't know by what, but overcome. So no, not always. But what I did always find was that I was always rearranging furniture. I was always rearranging the furniture in my bedroom because I was looking for some sort of holy grail of positioning or feel or flow. So... um I, but it, w- it wasn't until I started having my own place, like living in a studio apartment in Washington, D.C., where, you know, your bed is next to the refrigerator. So it's like you've got to make your bed in order for it to look a certain way. So I think when I started living, small space living, studio apartment, I started getting neater. And I also really liked living in a studio apartment. And, like, that's the amount of stuff you can have, mm-hmm. just what will fit in this 600 square feet space. So that's when I think I started to get a little bit more organized. Yeah, I find it fascinating because everywhere you go around, you see all these small, you know, storage spaces. And I'm sitting there saying, wow, what about a great business? Because all it is is rent space that every month somebody needs that space. And half that stuff you wonder, like, do they really, really need it? No, they don't. They're just (laughs) holding on to it, you know? And I imagine that your therapy side pops through because I'm sure there's trends that now that you've been working with so many clients that you'll know immediately, usually after for talking to them for five minutes, I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. this is how I'm going to approach this client versus that's tomorrow's client's a little bit different. Yes. So walk me through some of those steps that you take because now that you know how to do that, I'm sure there's certain trends that you see why people hoard as much as they hoard right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people, the thing with 
doing this work is that it's all decisions. It's decision after decision after decision after decision, and that's exhausting. So mm -hmm. a lot of people get those storage units because they don't want to make decisions. So that's where they just put a whole bunch of stuff that they have no idea what to do with. So it's sort of an extension of their basement and their garage where it's like, I don't know what to do. So that's where I really come in. So yeah, I have a phone consultation with clients before I um, work with them. And luckily when people reach out to me, it's because they are completely fed up and they're ready to make a really big drastic change. You know. Um, it never works. You know, I've had, for example, a daughter reach out to me because their mother really has too much clutter and can I help mom get rid of their clutter? Mom isn't a willing participant, <laughs> so that's not going to work. I've been in situations like that and it lasts about 15 minutes and then I'm like, okay, we're going to cut this short. Yeah. So it needs to be, you know, luckily most of my clients when they reach out, they're at the end of their rope and they're ready to really get rid of things, but they just have no idea where to start. The nice thing about the KonMari method that, and as a new professional organizer, I didn't necessarily know how to organize. I was an organized person, mm -hmm. but it's nice because it's a roadmap. So it's five categories. So it's clothing, books, paper, um, scent, uh, kimono, which is like miscellaneous, think like a garage, kitchen, basement, and then sentimental. And that's really key because, for example, a lot of people, they try to go right to the sentimental. Like, oh, I've got these 10 boxes of photos or a grandma's tea set. What do I do? It's like, no, that's way too complicated. That's way too hard. So let's start with the easier stuff. Um, so the trends that I see, it's interesting. I have been working a lot with older adults, people in their 60s and 70s, they're just done with it. Mm -hmm. They're done with it. I always recommend to them this great book called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. It's so great. It's written by this woman. She says she's somewhere between 80 and 100. <laughs> she's a Swedish woman. And she just talks about really letting go of your thing so that it doesn't become a burden to yeah. other people. Yeah. And that has been great for my older clients because they're just so done. They're so ready to let go of their things. And sure. so I'm definitely seeing a trend where the pendulum is swinging the other way, where I feel like it's not just the millennials and the younger people that want to be minimalist. Everybody wants to be minimalist right now. They're just done with the stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. overwhelming, I it's think. It's overwhelming. And there's so much stuff being shown on, I think, social media has you know killed our brains as well because yeah. there's just so much going on in the world and there's a lot of influx especially this year and so I can only imagine um I would think for you a good area to really focus on is probably over 55 communities yes. because all of them are trying to downsize I laugh because um I, my father-in-law moved into an over 55 and they kept saying they're going to downsize <laughs> and I'm like you have the largest home in the community <laughs> so explain to me how that's downsizing right and he still comes over you know it's been um well, like 12 years now and so it's like, I found more candles. So I know you like candles. And I'm like, how many candles did you have in your house that right. you downsized, you know? Right. But I think people just hold on them for, for that maybe of loss or something. And I'm sure it's mental too, a lot of times because addiction is falls right along with this, you sure. know? So I'm sure you become that therapist more times than not oh, yeah. in how you deal with things because people do not like letting go. No, people need permission. I worked with a client once who... You know, she, she was divorced and had been for probably 10 or 15 years. And we were working in her bedroom and working on her clothes. And she's like, I don't know what it is. This bedroom, it just doesn't feel like the vibe is just off. And we were going through her things. And she still had, like, lingerie that had been a wedding gift. Like, you don't 
need this like this is from your you know is that what you and it was strange she had held on to it because it was like you should hold on to this because it and just letting go of those things she's like oh my god all of a sudden this is my bedroom this is my space I don't have these you know things these trinkets that are staying around that are part of that past life so we get right into it I mean you'd think organizing clothing would be straightforward but it's not like I said you're talking about divorce you're talking about loss you're talking about careers and body image and people need the help of somebody of a third party to help them through that and it's such a blessing it's such an honor for people to let you in on that oh absolutely yeah. and, and so when you started in all too you know and you realize like I, I have a product here this is going to work you know what was that first success that you knew like this was the right move for me, and I definitely have a business, and I'm loving what I do. Mm -hmm. I think probably when I started finding my ideal clients, you know, in the beginning, it's like you'll just work with anybody with a credit card, like <laughs> you know, like I especially hear you. you know, I especially because I was the primary breadwinner in my family, and so. You know, it was a really big financial decision for me to to, to leave and do this work. Um, but I found myself when I would be working with people who weren't necessarily ideal clients, it just felt like a slog, you know. But slowly but surely, I started finding my ideal clients. And it was interesting because when I was doing my business plan, I thought my ideal client was going to be like a demographic. It was going to be, you know. 45 years plus, lives in a 10 mile radius, has, you know, X amount of income, but it wasn't that, it was their personality. It was more that they were so appreciative and so hospitable and, um, you know, and so once I started finding those people, it was funny, I almost started working with people that I admired. It was almost like I was learning as much from them as mm -hmm. they were learning from me because yeah. they were letting me into their world. And that was when, I really started to enjoy it and things took off because I felt like when I started enjoying it, I was giving off so much more energy and it was just this really neat symbiotic relationship. Yep. So I think that was a really big, um, you know, key point for me. And it's funny because I, I'm trying to transition away from the one-on-one -on -one work now, but I keep on finding these amazing one-on-one -on -one clients, ideal clients that I just really want to spend time with and really want to work with. Now, do you want to scale? Are you very comfortable doing it pretty much on your own and getting things moving? I mean, where do you want to take it? You know, I'm so happy on my own. I don't know if it's the introvert in me. I kind of thought that would be a temporary thing. I think one of the things that had me really burnt out was managing people. And you know, of all <laughs> people, how difficult, you know, it's, it's a whole, you know, it's managing people is not, um, easy and no. I it's not easy and I found myself really needing to take a break from that so I thought that would be temporary though I thought okay we'll take a little break from that and then a couple years in I have a team and you know but I don't I just, I'm really enjoying working on my own I have an assistant that helps me with a lot of the administrative things I use technology like crazy to really make my business really efficient and smart so I'm really happy on my own that's great and then stay that way you know yeah. because I mean you're only I'm learning now, you know, in my mid-50s, I need to do things that, like, why am I, am I pleasing them or am I pleasing me? Yeah. And I think people forget to ask that question. Yes. And so when you have a company, like, you know, are, are you doing it for you or are you doing it for them? And when you start asking and answering basically them, then you're doing it wrong. Yes. You know, because um, I'm at, we're an EOS company, too, mm -hmm. and a big, you know, Wickman fan. And, you know, and literally he'll say, like, you know, are you living the life you want to live? That's why you're doing this. 
Yes. And a lot of my friends are like, this is really hard, this and that. And I'm like, something's got to give. Right. So it's interesting. But it's funny. It goes right back to what you do. You have to, you know, declutter what's in front of you and be okay with making decisions, you know, to find your joy. Correct. Um, and it's really interesting. So it'd be, it'd be fascinating to hear a conversation that you have with your clients that way. But that's pretty mm -hmm. cool. I love hearing all that. Yeah. Um, one more um any other failure that you could think of? And I don't want to emphasize failures, yeah. but we have so many entrepreneurs that listen to this and they they see all the, the great, the glam and what we're doing, where we're going. What happens sometimes is the fact that they don't understand it's okay to make a mistake, it's okay to fail because Lord knows we did not get here at all by having happy, rosy days. Mm -hmm. So anything else you could tell our, our listeners today of like, you know, just, you know, that, that vote of confidence to keep things moving because you've been there. Yeah many failures a few that i would highlight would be i wish being the primary breadwinner i wish that i had created more of a financial cushion when i left i only really had a few months of savings and we all know it takes years to build a business yeah so i wish you know i i knew that i was ready to leave my job years before i left it mm -hmm. and so if i had really done a better job of putting that financial cushion in place because i don't think when you're when you're starting a business and you're coming at it from this really needy position of like i need to get clients and that's a stressful that's not like good karma you're not putting yeah. out good energy right so i think that was one i wish i had put more of a financial cushion in place yeah or maybe secured a business loan or something like that that would have given me some cushion yeah. Um, the second one is really I tried to do too much mm -hmm. at first. You know, that's what I talk about, the shoulds. It was like, okay, I should have a YouTube channel and I should be on Pinterest and I should, um, you know, have a podcast and I should write a book and I should, <laughs> it's like all these shoulds. And so that was when I sort of made this bratty decision. And I would say that was a big turning point in my business too when I said, you know what, I'm going to do what's fun and easy. I talk about fun and easy all the time. What's fun, what I really enjoy doing, and what's easy, what comes really easily to me. And so if I don't like Facebook, I'm not doing Facebook. If I like teaching, I'm gonna teach. And so when I really started leaning into the fun and easy, that was huge. So I think there was definitely a period of time where I just tried to do way too much. Um, so I would say those were a couple of the mistakes. And I would say probably, working with clients who were not ideal clients for way too long. And in the beginning, I would have these packages, like sign up for 10 sessions with me. And a non-ideal client would sign up for 10 sessions. And they were like the longest 10 sessions of my life. Yep. So I think I would have, it would have been much better to go back and have a little bit of a toe in the water approach so that yep. we could decide better if we were a good fit before I had made such a big commitment. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. Um, to sit back. And we were very similar, you know, the breadwinner um, yeah. still. And um you know, I took so I took a bonus and said, "Hey, I can make this work for six months," and it was a small bonus. <laughs> but <laughs> it feels big at the time, yeah, and then like, six months later, it's like, "Oh, whoa!" But once you figure out like what do you need to survive per month, and you really break it down. But I think people don't, don't come to that reality. And so I have a friend of mine who's um, who's almost fifty, and ever since I've talked to him in his twenties, you know, I'm gonna open my own business. I'm like, "Well, when are you gonna do that?" Right. You know, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do it." And then I would go and walk him with him, like. So when are you going to do that? You know, and um, he said, well, you know, now when the kids get out of school and I'm like, okay, now when are you going to do it? Right. And uh, you just have to just one day say, today's the day. Right. And I love what you say, the shoulds. Yes. It's the shoulds, the coulds, the woulds, right? Yeah. And I feel as if, if that's that, that fear factor, and if you could take that big, big word fear, half the reason why I think people don't want to do this because that yeah. fear. 
and you just got to say, I'm doing this. Yes. And today's that day. Yes. You know, but it is, it's like decluttering your life. Same yes. thing. You know, you have very, all these objects in front of you. And I got kudos to the people that do do this because it's hard. It's and so hard. It, and who did you hang out with? Like, did you have a tribe of people that you chatted with and all too? And, and say so like, we're in this together. I'm going to help you. Because I, I had a tribe of women who um, I'm a little deep with today. And we would just pick each other up kind of a yes. thing, you know? Yes, I did. And I think that was... You know, I was reflecting before this conversation about what were some of the success, what led to the success, and that was huge because, um, you know, I had a friend group who coincidentally a lot of them had their own small businesses already. And so they were like, yes, you absolutely can do this, you know. Um, and they were so incredibly supportive. And I remember times like sitting in the train station, like at the train station, like, what am I doing? This is so selfish. This is ridiculous. How am I leaving this job? And my friend saying, where are you? Come over. And me sitting in that chair and crying like, oh, this is a terrible idea. And then just kind of walking me through it. And then I also joined, you know, more, um, I, I came to your breakfast several times and met other women. I am a part of this community called Wellstruck, mm-hmm. which is with um, Sarah Zero that I've been a part of ever since I started and it's great because that's where I find my accountant that's where I find my lawyer that's why I find and that's where we cry and we talk about how difficult things are I think that's another thing that not a mistake but just not necessarily something that I anticipated was the entrepreneurial roller coaster yep. that one day this is amazing and I'm living my dream and the next day oh my god what have I done I should get a job <laughs> like this is terrible and so I think that being a part of that really helped me kind of weather that emotional roller coaster um and feel like I can do this yeah everybody yeah. needs it they don't realize how much they need it until they need it so yes absolutely yes. how do we or how does the audience get a hold of Amanda Jefferson so um, you can find me at indigoorganizing.com. So that's um, if you're interested in um, working with me one-on-one. And then you can also find me at amandajefferson.com. So that's where you can find learn all about my keynote and where I talk about the shoulds. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at heyamandaj. Hey. Oh, how cute is that? Yeah. And then don't forget your podcast name again. Podcast name is the Good Enough Ish Podcast. And so that's at goodenoughish.com. And you can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all those good things. Oh my gosh. And one last thing how does Amanda Jefferson take care of Amanda Jefferson? I do a lot of journaling. I was just journaling, actually waiting to come into the green room this morning. I love my five minute journal app. Wow. I do a lot of reading. Um, I am involved in something called Positive Intelligence, which is um, it's an awesome book. Shirzad um, Shamin and I have a life coach that I work with, and it's all about mental fitness and really knowing your own saboteurs and tapping into your sage more. So that's huge. A little therapy here and there. <laughs> Beautiful thing. Yeah. We have to take care of ourselves. If yeah. not, we're no good to our clients. Yes. And they see it. They feel it. And it's amazing how that whole vibe comes through. So yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. Um, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having so me. So good to see you as yeah. always. You look great. You Thank look you. happy. Um, yeah. You look like you have that sense of joy. So you're doing whatever you're doing. You're doing it well. And I can tell. I love the fact that I'm not going to use any shoulds, coulds, and wouldn'ts today because <laughs> um, we, you know, you did. And um, so I wish you best, much success and happiness. Thank and, you. Um, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you.